Welcome to the Mothers of Misfits podcast. Join me for conversations about how to advocate for our kids in a one-size-fits-all world. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Today we are joined by Kaya Gutnick. She is a mom and she is a small business owner, and I am so excited for all of you to hear her stories and her work and her advice for all of us. So thanks for being on, Kaya. Thanks so much for having me, Emily. I'm so happy to be here. Sure. So you founded a company to control the chaos, primarily for marketing agencies. But today we're going to talk about controlling our chaos at home. <laughs> so, That's a good thing, right? <laughs> yes. So for a lot of parents, home life feels like chaos. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that is? Why do I think that is? That's a good question. I think it is because having children is naturally pretty chaotic. I mean, anybody who feels like they resonate with chaos at home, kind of just like step back and say, having kids is really hard. I mean, if you, if you don't have, I have chaos at home. Okay. I have maybe less chaos than most people, but I have two young children. They're two and a half and four and a half. And I certainly have chaos at home. So I think kids, children come with a certain amount, you know, um, chaos, right? Things aren't certain. It's not like in business, right? When you're working with a coworker, you have a coworker, you know, you, you set the boundaries, you set the expectations, you know, or a team member. And then if they can follow through, then great. And if they can't, they're not a good fit, right? In business it's in, at home, it's not like that, right? Like your kids, it's not like, oh, this kid isn't a good fit. Out you go, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. You know, so so kind of in that way, I want any parents who are listening to that to this to think about that. Like kids come with chaos. Expect chaos. It will be chaos. Even for me, there's a lot of chaos. But what I can try and help you with is to make less chaos, to make the chaos less harsh, less bad, I suppose, and less often. So, you know, that's, I think, more what we can talk about. I love that you're honest about that mm -hmm. because most of us, I think, look at, you know, the social media profiles or look at our friends and especially you, you're an expert in controlling chaos. And we think, oh, they have it all together. And I'm a hot mess over here. <laughs> so it's good to hear you sincerely say that it's just, it's just par for the course. And yeah. it's so true. And kids are hardwired differently than parents. So that in itself is an element of chaos. So your kids may not be dealing with the world and change and stress and productivity the same way that you are or your spouse is. You know, we have different personalities, different motivations in the mix. And and that when you get a bunch of people together in any situation, it it tends to create chaos. But when we have a family unit where there is lots of emotion and and young people who don't have maturity to always express their emotion in healthy ways, right? That certainly breeds Chaos. Yeah. So yeah. how do you suggest, I mean, you're a business owner and a parent. 
how do you balance those two responsibilities effectively? Yeah. So that's a really great question. Um, one of the best ways that I balance it is by having a babysitter, you know, especially, especially now with COVID going on and stuff like that. I mean, to say that you are going to run your business, you know, or I'm going to run my business at the same capacity as I was before and have no childcare is a ridiculous thing to say, you know? So I think the balance is also about having the proper expectations of what being a parent is and thinking to yourself like, okay, so I, my goal is to be with my children, you know, my children, let's say in general, normal times are in school for this many hours. And it's really important for me to be available from five to seven, you know, PM, let's say, and then creating ways in your business to make sure that you're available and you can turn your phone off for those hours, you know, or even if it's longer hours, if you want to say like work for me is done at 5 PM, you know, you can create systems and ways for you to just everybody knows you are not available after 5 p.m. and that's that you know same thing goes with Sundays so I think it's about having you know the right expectations because children they're not predictable a lot of us have children with exceptional needs whatever they are um you know myself included and they need a lot from us. And so keeping kind of that into perspective that you're not going to be able to do as much as if you didn't have children. It's just not what it is. So kind of keeping in mind, keeping proper expectations in mind, getting help where you need it, and just creating time, you know, setting up your business in a way that when you're having family time, that is just family time. I totally agree with defining boundaries. For me, that's been one of the fallouts of quarantine life is that there's little to no boundaries between work life and home life, and it's all muddled together. And I'll confess, I've I've struggled with feeling fully present. So when I'm working, I feel guilty about or thinking about my family and the needs of my kids when I'm with them. I'm feeling guilty about and thinking about what needs to happen at work. And it's been this mush, mash. And that's been really difficult to feel as though I'm doing anything well. So to your point, establishing those boundaries and holding the line so that right now I'm with my family Right now, I'm doing work and getting those support systems like the babysitters Mm -hmm. to help out so you can be freed up to do that. And I find that, you know, when you're focusing, you're so much more productive, right? So you're actually getting things done. So you truly are able to then allocate that time, that important time to family. Yeah. And I just, you know, I'll be honest here. I just recommitted to that this week. I was like, you know, I was thinking over the weekend, I'm like, I'm with my kids and I'm half on my phone and, you know, I'm not giving my kids what they need. And I made a new commitment, you know, starting this week. I said, when I'm with my kids, I'm putting away my phone. I'm just not doing it. And, you know, I've been good for the past few days. But I think with a lot of commitments and habits, there are times where we're better at them and then we might slide down. And then, 
we have to pick it up again. And that's normal. Like I said, it happens to me. It happened to me. I was like last week, I was always with my kids and on my phone and I had to recommit this week. And, you know, so you can also have that expectation of that kind of like being really good about it, maybe sliding off a bit, getting better and just noticing that when you're kind of sliding off, it's time to recommit. Mm -hmm. We're all going to fall off, right? We're all going to mess up a little bit and it's not the time to throw in the towel. We just have to say, okay, today's a, a new day and, and I can have a fresh start at this and little baby steps, right? I find that for me, it's so much easier to implement small changes and one change at a time. Yeah. Do you see that in your work? There might be folks that totally. are so ambitious and really crave the change. And then they try to change up everything and adopt all these new systems and none of it works. Right. Right. Totally. Like I, I did a training on it this morning about like, if you want to set goals and you want to achieve your goal, you have to have one goal. Like one, it can be a big goal, but it needs to be one goal. Like if you want to, you know, talking about now personal life for a second, like if you want to go off gluten and get eight hours of sleep and drink eight cups of water a day, like if that's your month goal, that's like a lot to focus on and change. And you're likely to do them all mediocre or even not do them. And instead, if you committed to one of those goals, whichever one it was, you are a lot more likely to actually get there and meet that goal. Mm -hmm. So keep things measurable and attainable. Yeah. Defined so we know what success looks like. And something where, you know, I'm all about quick wins because that's where we feel that progress. We feel a quick success. I also think this whole process of goal setting and picking back up even when you fall down is so important for our kids to see us go through yeah. because we want them to be good goal setters. We want them to have grit in the face of hardship. Do you see your kids adopting? I know they're still young, but do you see them adopting some of the approaches that you put into place with your clients and your own family? Yeah. So, so my daughter, anything you tell her, she repeats back. <laughs> They're sponges. Know, yeah. She, she sends it right, right back my way. You know? So if I'll say like, uh, actually this is a funny story that my mother says about me when I was young. So she, she said that before dinner time, she would say something like dinner is going to be in five minutes and I expect your toys to be cleaned up by then. And so she says, and that was something she said often, whether it was at the park, like we're leaving in five minutes, you know, whatever. And I expect you to have put away the sand toys in five minutes. And so she says, I turned to her one night before dinner and I said, mommy, I'm going to the bathroom. And when I get back, I expect dinner to be ready on my plate. <laughs> <laughs> so that was me when I was little. My daughter's very similar. So yeah, whatever kind of you demonstrate to them, they end up, you know, just um, reflecting right back. So I definitely, definitely agree with that. And I also think as parents, this is a bit off topic, but like, I know, you know, let's, let's say yesterday, what, whatever was going on, I yelled at my daughter and right away, I like, you know, went to her and I said, oh, I'm so sorry for yelling at you. Like, you know, let me give you a hug or what can I do to make it better? And I think, you know, that's also a really important thing to be demonstrating to our children that we make mistakes too. And this is what we do when we make mistakes, right? We apologize and we Fine. You know, we obviously try and, and, and get better and we figure out how to make it 
how to make it better for the other person. So I think that's another really important thing to to demonstrate to children as well. On that note, you know, chaos breeds chaos. Mm. I know how stressed out and emotional and frustrated I am when my home life is chaotic. How much more so for our kids that probably feel even less in control? Right. So having that chaotic environment is really just creating this vicious cycle of overwhelm and anxiety and stress and frustration and yelling and all those outcomes that we're all trying to work against. Whereas, of course, like we started this conversation, we can't control it all. But if we can create that peace and that order, our kids, their behavior their affect will improve as well. So what I love about you, Kaya, is that you are practical. So what are some really practical, super simple steps that we can take to control the chaos in our homes? So that's a really broad question. And I'm going to try and take that broad question and make it as practical as I can for you. So the broad answer, and then I'll give you a more specific answer, would be to look at where there's chaos. Like, is there chaos by bedtime, right? And one of the things, for example, that I've implemented that worked well for me is I made a chart for my daughter of what has to happen before bedtime. I drew it. No computers, no fancy, no barriers there, right? I took a lined piece of paper and I made some stick figures that that probably didn't really look what, like what they were supposed to. It did not matter. And I was able to create her that chart of what has to happen before bedtime instead of kind of being like, did you brush your teeth yet? Are you in PJs? Did you, you know, put away your toys? Whatever it is. I didn't have to nag her about all those stuff. I would just be like, bedtime's in 10 minutes and your chart needs to be finished by then. So it was like, that was, I took, let's say my bedtime with my daughter was becoming chaotic and I looked for a solution to that. So my general recommendation to you would be to look at the most chaotic part right now of your day and look for solutions for that part. And, you know, Google's your friend. There are so many. And Emily, you know, check out the podcast. I'm sure there are plenty of resources on there. And come up with a solution for that part of your day and then move to the other part of the day, another part of the day. It's very easy to say, oh my God, my whole day is chaotic. But if you can kind of zero in and be a little bit more specific and say, okay, bedtime's really rough. And then before nap time gets like really crazy or whatever it is. And then coming up with some of those systems or routines. So just off the top of my head, more specific examples those charts. And also like, think about, is your child a visual learner, right? Like, do they need, I know I have a son who's a virtual learner. When I need to give him choices, even like something simple, like what to eat for lunch, I have to actually show him the choices in order for him to choose or else it becomes this whole, like, I don't know. I want this. I want this. If I just end up showing him visually the two choices, he will pick one of them. So definitely like kind of tuning in. It's so hard to give specific advice. I have so much, so many thoughts on this, but tuning into what your child needs. So thinking about that time of day, coming up with something, I would definitely recommend those um, like charts, you know, so or checklists would be a better word for that. So that your child can 
go through what has to be done. Um, a lot of things, timers work really well for kids. So like if you're potty training a kid and you want them to go to the bathroom every hour, instead of nagging them to go, you would just turn on a timer and then it becomes the timer said I need to go to the bathroom. It's not like mommy nagging me anymore. So the timer, the timer is great for things like that. Um, visual timers are great for like kids, you know, when we have to leave the park, you can buy off Amazon a visual timer. So I do have a lot of, a lot of ideas and I'm sure Emily does as well, but I would say like to pinpoint the times of day where you're struggling and create a system, a solution for that time of day, implement it get it to work. By the way, another thing with kids is that you need to be consistent. And this is in business as well, by the way, uh, that you can try something and you need to stick with it for two weeks and then see if it works for your kid um, before kind of moving on and saying it doesn't work. We're so easy to say, oh, I tried this and it doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for my kid. It doesn't work for my family, but we haven't given it enough of a chance. And it's the same in business too. So definitely, you know, coming up with those solutions and, and giving them, giving them a fair chance to, to work. I also hear the solutions that you're talking about are a lot about empowering our kids. Mm -hmm. I take for granted that I have a bigger perspective on what's going on in our household. And I also have more control over what's going on in our household. And kids oftentimes are at our whim, right? You know, whatever we think's happening right now is what's happening right now. So mm -hmm. what's neat about the tactics that you bring up is that we're shifting that control also with clear expectations to our kids. So rather than nagging them in the moment, here are the things, you know, do this, then do this and do this. They may not even really know the six things that we have in our heads that need to get done when it's just coming from our heads. Whereas if they're clearly listed out, right. they can be in control of managing their time. They can decide what order things happen. You know, it feels more like, okay, I'm in control of my own situation and can get to these results in my own way. And I also love that you bring up how your son uniquely solves problems and makes decisions. Because like I mentioned earlier in this conversation, we know that each one of us is uniquely wired to operate in our own way. And that also pertains to how we handle systems. So not everyone needs a plan to act. Others need to know all 10 steps before they take the first action. Not everyone works well with rigid systems. And in that way, efficiency means different things to different people. So how do you reconcile in your work and the advice that you give the fact that people respond to systems very differently, you know, and there's really a, a continuum, right? Some need very loose systems that are very easy to implement. Others, again, need to have that consistent routine order. How do you make that happen across the board? So I think that when I have clients, I get to know them and their personality. And I also talk to them kind of about 
what systems have worked for them in the past and, and what they think would work for them. And then we come up with a solution. And I think kids can't always tell you, you're, you know, your children can't always tell you. And it's your job to be like the detective and kind of get the clues. And there are many professionals out there that can help you understand your child and what they need to be successful and so I highly, you know, just recommend becoming that detective and testing and seeing what works for your child. You know, the checklist, another kid might not want a checklist. And so keeping in mind how your individual child works and just becoming that detective. You are spot on about kids not always having the self-awareness or the words to express that this is not working for me. So often when I'm working with families of the younger kids, so probably eight and younger, we talk a lot about paying attention to when tantrums happen because tantrums are often the result of that child being in a stressful situation and not knowing how to express themselves properly. So, you know, your son may tantrum at lunch. Right. Because he's just so frustrated that he doesn't know how to properly choose and you're you're pushing him and pushing him to choose, right? Whereas just showing him the options you found is a stress-free, tantrum-free event. And you know, switching things up when you when your child is having those tantrums or a sudden change in their uh, affect, think about what just happened prior to that moment. And then think about a different way to attack it. Yeah. And are we pushing our best practices onto our kids? Because that tends to be oftentimes the source of that stress and frustration in families because it works for us. And as parents and as managers, like you said, so many of these concepts are transferable. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's the same thing in business, right? Like if a leader wants their employees and team members to get things done the same way that they do it, that's a really, really hard, really hard on the team member. And as long as you focus on the result, right? Like you, this is the result I need and let them get there in their best way. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better. So how do we identify systems that will work for our needs? Testing. (laughs) Nobody's going to want to hear this. Nobody's going to want to hear it, but it's through testing. And it's also through thinking about what has worked for you in the past. So thinking about like, when was another time where your kid always was tantruming or upset about a certain time of day or a certain area and saying, how did you get out of that? What strategy worked for you then and seeing how you can apply it now to this new area. And if you don't know or can't come up with stuff like that, it's really testing. It's And again, there's so much we can talk about like specific strategies that it's like a, a really broad topic, but like looking at how your child processes information and how your child likes to run their day and if choice is more important or some kids don't want choice, you know, they're just like, tell me what to do. So all of these are like clues for how you can reduce those, those chaotic times. So Kaya, if folks want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? So I have a really fun Facebook community of really ambitious business owners, and you're welcome to join me there. 
It's called Business Owners Scale with Simple Systems. And if you're not a business owner, but just want to reach out to chat about anything child-related, LinkedIn is where I primarily am. So it's just my name, Kaya Gutnick, and I'm happy to chat with you there. I am so glad that you joined us in the conversation today, Kaya, and helped us get a little bit more control in our world of chaos. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Mothers of Misfits podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. We also invite you to visit us at mothersofmisfits.com.